There are two things that can happen at night when we think of night. There may, there may be others, but I'm going <laughs> to stick to two. Night is this like time of peace where, the, where the, the righteous rest. It's peaceful. It's quiet. There isn't the hustle and bustle of the world going around. And there's just this, this peaceful quality to night. But night is also the same time for the evil to act. To use the cover of darkness to be less noticed because people are less alert. Those evil people wish to do violence. So there's equal parts in the night to this idea of safety and danger, of peace and violence. Now Jesus comes at night. And he's born under cover of darkness, both literally because it's night, but also because no one knows that he's there. So much so that the angels have to call upon who? the shepherds in the fields to let them know that the Savior has been born. He's still under this like, cover of darkness. And if we understand Jesus in, the, in truth and what he is, he is, is the symbol that he comes to bring both peace and violence. I'll explain, <clears throat> but let's talk about the peace first. We hear in the prophet Isaiah in the first reading, as he's describing the Messiah and the Savior, he uses these adjectives, and one of them is the Prince of Peace. He is to rule, his rule is to end violence to end division, to end anxiety. And he brings peace to all who surrender under his rule. This is for us. He is Prince of Peace for us. When we surrender ourselves to Christ, when we put ourselves under his kingship, we are free, free from burden. And he gives us the grace to bear every suffering well. He quells the confusion of our minds by giving us the truth. And he grants the grace that we need to have firm conviction to follow his will. It goes on to say, later on, that his dominion is vast and forever peaceful. Not only is he coming to bring peace, but it's not a temporary ceasefire. He is coming, peace, coming to bring peace for all eternity. And then we hear the angels proclaim, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace 
to those on whom his favor rests. See, the angels are there at the beginning of Jesus' life in the midst of the world to announce his mission, which is to bring peace. And his peace will rest on all who follow him so that they may be free from anxiety, that they may be at rest. This is the joy of the nativity. This is why Jesus' birth is such a big deal. This is why you are in church at 12.20 in the morning. (laughs) Because God chose to become man and so bring about his reign of peace. The nativity also signals the beginning of his reign of peace. But we know that that reign only comes to its completion at the end of time. Listen to what the book of Revelation describes when the judgment comes. (coughs) This is in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. That is what Christ's birth signals, the beginning of that coming to completion. And it is joyful. That's why all of the angels are singing and giving glory to God. That's the peaceful part of the nighttime. And I think we can understand Jesus in that way, as the Prince of Peace. But he also comes to bring violence. Now, it's not so easy for us to perceive Jesus as being violent. In fact, we have this, I think, false perception that Jesus is a nice guy. I don't know if you've read the Gospels and the way that he talks to the Pharisees. I mean, he tells his best friend, get behind me, Satan. Like, (laughs) he's not not necessarily a nice guy in like that sense, like a beta male. That's not who he is. No, he has also come. He He even says, he says, I will come to bring not peace, but the sword. But in what way? See, he's come not just to free us, but the way by which he frees us is that he has to do violence to sin and to death. To complete what he began when he freed Israel from slavery, how did he do that? By drowning Pharaoh and all of his chariots and charioteers. He had to destroy the army of Egypt to protect the Israelites. He had to do violence. And we hear Isaiah prophesy, for the yoke that burdened them, the pole of their shoulder, and the rod of their taskmaster, you have smashed as on the day of Midian. See, Jesus has come to destroy the godless ways 
and worldly desires that St. Paul speaks of in his letter to Titus. He wants to do violence to our pride, squash our greed, root out our lust, knock down our laziness, end our judgmentalism, silence our gossip. He has come to destroy that within us so that we may be free. And even though that he comes as a helpless child, as a little baby who can't even lift up his head and needs to strive real hard to poop, he is more powerful than we are. Because <laughs> what do we do? We keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again. We are the ones that are enslaved. We are the ones that are helpless and are in need of the violence that Christ wishes to do to the sin in our lives. So here's the crusks. In order for us to experience the full gift of his peace, we have to let him do violence to our vices. We, let, we must let him embody both parts of darkness. In which the psalm says, even darkness is not dark for you, O Lord. And it is only then, when we allow Christ to be uh, the warrior for us, that the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and we shall sing a new song of his praise. So I invite you, the rest of the Mass, that as we profess our faith, that as we participate again in his sacrificial offering on the cross as we receive him in the Eucharist. Invite him in to do violence to the, to the sin that is within you. The things that you are attached to that prevent you from being at peace. Because that's what he wants to do. He has come to free us.